With the return of series director Noriaka Yuasa, will the underdog Flying Turtle film series stand a chance to rival the big G on the big screen? Find out as we deep dive bomb into this week's film. This is Kaiju versus History, Gamera versus Gauss. Welcome back to an all-new episode of Kaiju vs. History. This is your rogue construction worker, Miles, here. And joining me in riding on the backs of airborne terrapins is my co-host, Patrick. Patrick, how are you doing this week? Oh, I'm holding on tight to the, the <laughs> scales now. I'm holding on by, by the shell, I guess. The turtle shell, the turtle power, as it were. Does the turtle show have a name, like a scale or something? Is it? I'm, I'm sure each of those little sections do. Uh, I don't know what it is for a giant magical turtle shell. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, we're not great at animal facts here on no. Kaiju versus History. Just imaginary animals. So this week we have 1967's Gamera versus Gauss. And the last time we saw Gamera, we did not have series creator, director Noriaki Yuasa behind it. Although the movie did have some fun aspects. So Patrick, I'm I'm really curious. How do you feel about the vibe of this film compared to the, the interim Gamera film that didn't have... Uh, you also behind it. You know, I, I was surprised I liked versus Baragon as much as I did because it is definitely the odd duck from from the series that in the first one. But I, I really enjoy the first one, and I like the second. It had tw- twice the the budget versus Baragon did than versus Gauss. They apparently did not have a lot of faith in. Noriaka Yuasa or in Gamera because like I said they slashed the budget after versus Baragon didn't which is very clear in this film like for better or for worse like yeah it it looks like it costs less also I think part of and I remember thinking this at the time part of the charm of versus Baragon is that the creature is so wild like (laughs) shooting shooting deadly rainbows and all all this stuff we got a pretty crazy bad guy in this one too but not at we do but he does feel a little more toho-esque i will say this movie feels like a gamer movie where versus baragon feels like a baragon movie you know (laughs) there's a lot of emphasis and the plot is kind of focused on that monster and then gamma just kind of shows up whereas this one is kind of the opposite there oh, is a for, lot for for sure and a lot of guys here i do think this one kind of starts to see the series slide into the i don't want to say the stereotype but the certainly the the station that gamma gets when he is later called the friend to all children you start yeah. to really see that here because yes he does save the boy in the first film, but there's no real connection mm-hmm. here. They even show the audience. There is some sort of correct uh, connection between Gamera and this child. And I, I think from a narrative standpoint, it honestly makes the movie a little bit stronger mm-hmm. than versus Byrogon. But before we get there, I need you to tell us what's in a title. 
Right. So for the most part, our Gamera films from here on out are going to follow in the American or an international release, the tried and true perfect titleage of monster V new monster. <laughs> so Gamera versus Gauss and from here on out Gamera versus whatever monster he is fighting that year. The literal Japanese title is giant monster dogfight Gamera versus Gauss. And that giant monster dogfights a pretty cool and uh, title. <laughs> it makes sense because they 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 do have a, an aerial combat towards the end yeah. of the film, as opposed to Baragon, which was a completely terrestrial monster. We have a couple of flying creatures, and the poster for Gamera versus Gauss kind of blaze as well. It shows them fighting in midair. I think it has Gauss in in flight mode, you know, <laughs> looking like a fighter jet. Yeah, and Gamera in the sky as well. As far as titles from around the world of free releases and international releases, of course, for some reason, they, they, they have some different spellings of Gauss throughout the world. Drop in the Y, so it's just G-A-O-S. I don't know if I prefer one spelling over the other, but Gamma versus against Gauss gets a subtitle in, of course, West Germany, <laughs> where it's called Frankenstein's Fight of the Monsters. I, I I get they're following suit with Toho, but I I would very much love to know the Why? Frankenstein angle someone finds here. I mean, if anything, Gauss is more Dracula. You know, it seems like a perfect time to switch up your your universal monster, and that's I don't know. I it's just easy to make that connection. I think they talk about vampire bats in the the movie as well. Yeah, that some other titles around the the area. The the English title and from the Japanese DVD has a subtitle "Boy H E and the Super Monsters." That is our our main young child actor or character in in, in this film. I think. Yes, yeah, I, like, I like that that he, he got some like some play in yeah <laughs> in, in that. Uh, Gamer Against Gauss, The Terror of the Night was the subtitle in Spain. There's some good ones, but most of them followed that basic monster v monster title, which we're going to see for the most part here on out for a lot of the Godzilla films, as well as any film where they want to highlight the fact that you're going to have a kind of a heroic monster versus an an evil monster, which is... This is kind of the evil monster. I mean, this is, I don't want to say the King Ghidorah for, for oh. Gamera, but this is the most recurring evil monster. And, and, and what many consider the arch nemesis of Gamera throughout the franchise. Yeah. And it's so funny because we'll go on for these other Showa Gamera movies. I think there are other monsters that are more diabolical and like larger threats in general. And when we do, get Gauss coming back in the Showa series. It's, you know, it's what they, they do in a lot of, I think wrestling competitions where they bring back an old enemy and have like the new bad guy beat them up. <laughs> maybe, maybe not wrestling, but it, it feels very comic booky. So they bring back. Well, yeah. The, the way to always prove that one character is mm-hmm. super tough immediately is to have them, completely obliterate someone who is per, like previously perceived as the baddest of the bad. Yeah. So 
they do they do that with a quote unquote space gauss i think is what they call them they just spray paint the the flying gauss and and the the suit silver <laughs> to show that the new monster is much much scarier but yeah in the heisei series obviously we're going to get a lot more gauss and that becomes kind of a a main villain for for gamera but interestingly enough i don't as much as I enjoy this movie and this matchup, it just doesn't feel like that big of a, a threat for for Gamera. Well, I'm surprised yeah, because I mean that- he he only pops up two more times I think in this era, and I mean yes, in in the Heisei or Heisei era, he certainly pops up more frequently, and it, it makes you wonder like why this was the one that people really glommed on to, and and it, and it, yeah, it, you, you never really can tell. Well, some of the other ones are like of like why people mm-hmm. seem to to fall in love. I mean, it's kind of like the Daleks and Doctor Who. I've never been <laughs> super into them. I mean, there are certainly some great stories involving them, but I, I never understood why that was the that was the iconic arch nemesis that got mm-hmm. consistent popularity and got brought back all the time. Well, it's it's almost as if just like the first kind of big bad that he went up against became his his nemesis and that wasn't Baragon it was it was Gauss it, it's almost Which as is if wild because I'd love to see Baragon again <laughs> well yeah it's like if they had just gone with Rodan as Godzilla's like main enemy it's like yes he was a threat and they fought but from Godzilla raids again in in Gyrus if they had just been like oh well, that's his first big enemy now he's going to be like his his number one threat. <laughs> yeah. And instead, both of those characters become like his like two besties, more <laughs> yeah. or less. Yeah. No, I mean, I just I thought that this is an interesting because I mean, I know that this this creature is one of the the more popular, I guess, uh, Gamera villains, even though I've always thought it was I can't remember how to pronounce it. Uh, Gyron or Gyron. Yeah, no, that's uh, Gyron is is probably my favorite, and that's where He's we just so neat looking. Well, it's <laughs> where we get to see Space Gauss going up against another bad monster, and Gauss literally shushimin <laughs> turning them into uh, slices of of Gauss in in that movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised we we didn't get any other returns from the the Hayes area. This is the only monster that returns in that. Trilogy, quadrilogy, if you, if you count the 2000s. So and the, the wild thing is, you know, because in, in terms of Godzilla eras, even though it was still technically the Heisei era, since from Godzilla 2000 to Final Wars, it's just considered the Millennium era. Mm-hmm. So growing up and then, you know, obviously afterwards, because I was 22 when Gamera the Brave came out, I always kind of thought of that film as a standalone Millennium movie. Yeah, and it, 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 it is it, kind of. It seems most people do, even though, I mean, it came in the Heisei or the Heisei box set, the initial one that Arrow put out. Yeah. Uh, but it's not connected to those films, even though it seems that the boy knows what it, what Gamera is. Well, um, Gauss does show up in that film, I think, mm-hmm. in flashback to when Gamera yeah. was fighting in like the 80s, maybe other monsters or 90s, uh, it's, I guess. It's, it's possible I, I honestly, it's it's been about a decade since I've watched The Brave, um, so I'm looking forward to going to the, back to that eventually because it it's my favorite of of the franchise. Mm-hmm. But 
I, I would love to talk to people, you know, who might have grown up with this because that that's usually a huge part of it as to why certain villains get brought back. There must have been something about this character. And so it seems like Dae kind of tuned into that that their their audience should or could be children much quicker than Toho did. Oh, yeah. And so it's possible that, you know, with a, a generation that was being catered to at this time in 1967, and you have, you know, your your child protagonist who is, you know, technically the every child, and he also is rooting for Gamera and befriends Gamera, this this monster could have possibly had an impact to where it's like, oh, you know, th- I love I love Gauss because this was the first one that really spoke to me. You know, I mean, and I'm making a guess, obviously, yeah. but that that's that kind of thing I wouldn't take lightly because I mean, we see it all the time in film. I mean, no, heck, I I, I, I can sequel see is a billion dollars at the box office right now, and and for another reason than people love Top Gun when it came out. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I, I can imagine Kaneko, the the director of the 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 first Heisei Gamera film, having grown up uh, watching the '60s Gamera, this would probably be one of the first ones that really interested kids. Versus Baragon, like we said, there's not even a child that shows up in the movie. <laughs> there's not a single child actor, which is so different for for most camera films. Right. Um, I wanted to, to read this quote before we get into talking about the the film about both the the screenwriter uh, Nasan Taga Hashi and the, the director in taking the film into that direction. You know, they Yuasa in an interview said when I was young after Japan lost the war the adults I looked up to suddenly went from being very militaristic to anti-militaristic. And because of this hypocrisy, I felt like I couldn't trust adults anymore. I hoped that when I grew up, I would in my way still be like a child. And this sentiment can be seen in my movies. There's a Mm. lot as we get into this story about, I think distrustful adults in, in the story and in the plot. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. And and why maybe Gamera is is drawn to children, and and becomes their their hero. Or right, we have a very kind of selfless, innocent in the the form of Aichi, our our main child hero here. But yeah, this movie sees the return of Gamera. The credits are over a fiery volcano in in tree, which I really enjoyed the the effects, the fiery effects of of the volcano. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think there's a lot about this that that works. I I think a lot of the effects were pretty well. I mean, when you see that helicopter getting sliced up, <laughs> yeah, that, those it's were a really very cool fun. effect. You know, for 1967, I I <laughs> there there are there when you rewatch it, there are some funny stuff like you see one guy just flat out just swan diving out, like <laughs> yeah. purposefully like diving out, but the actuals like. You know the way it was edited, and then when the when the actual helicopter scene or, or the set kind of pulls apart, it's really cool looking. When they were advertising the film, they one they took Gauss Gauss's costume out to to show people up close. Which how fun would that be? But yeah. they they also <laughs> took half of the it, it wasn't a beetle, but it was it was the half of the car that they used and and sliced in half to to show Gauss's laser beam power, sonic power. 
and they took that around with them when they were showing and advertising the film, which I thought was a lot of fun, you know, fun idea. And it's definitely a power that I don't know. We don't get to see a lot of fun, destructive powers in any kaiju film. So this is one that I, I wish we, we had gotten even more of, but indeed this, the main plot of the story focuses around this village of holdouts against a corporation that is constructing a giant highway out of Tokyo. And some of our heroes are the construction crew <laughs> trying to build this road, which is an interesting cast. It's not military or like scientists or reporters. I mean, you have the yeah. one at the very oh, beginning, but yeah. he's we, not. We get like, a reporter character, which I thought was going to be a main character. No, he gets eaten he, pretty quickly. Yeah, he. Which, but they also give you a good reason because he mm-hmm. he ditches the child very, very like without sex. I mean, he no, like I pushes the kid down. He's like, see, ya. yeah, <laughs> and, and tries to save himself. Which, yo, that's not gonna fly in a camera film. Yeah. And gets chomp chomped, which I mean, as the audience, we're like, yeah, well, you know, serves her right. Yeah. <laughs> but th- this road's construction apparently goes through just the nesting ground, the underground cave of a vampire pterosaur, a giant, ancient, bat like um, dinosaur creature, which the the protagonist who we, we named uh, Aichi dubs the monster Gauss, because supposedly that's what it sounds like. Like it makes the noise gouts. Yeah, when, I love that sequence when, when he's talking to the, the council of scientists. You named it Gauss. Why? Or you called it Gauss. Why? <laughs> I named it. Like this kid's a legend. Like he <laughs> he does not like back down to anybody. And like when they when they question him, he's like, Yeah, I named it because I found it. Like he just doesn't even like bother to give them any sort of other reasons. Like. Yeah, uh, I named it. This is the sound it makes. I called it that. Yeah, and, um, and the kid also has the idea on like how to beat the monster at the end. But his grandfather, I think, takes takes it. <laughs> it's like this kid is all over the plot in in a way that we will see the child stars take center stage much more in in further sequels. <laughs> but and honestly, so far, the the child stars we've had in these Japanese monster movies are pretty decent overall. For the most part, mm-hmm. I I, um, I, I think really I think it was, was actor, it, uh, yeah. Mothra the one that I liked a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, he was a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun characters in that film as well, and I think so far it's that one is still my highest rated of the Showa series. Maybe maybe Mothra versus Godzilla. One of those was a lot of fun, but uh, th- this one's up there as well. Anyway, in in. In our quick recap here, of course, Gamera and Gauss come head to head. Gamera saving Aichi, the the young boy, and eventually getting his shell handed to him in the the first fight, where we see a ton of turtle blood being drawn. The, yeah. the Sonic attacks are brutal <laughs> on Gamera, and it loses the fight and has to retreat to the, the bottom of the ocean to to recuperate and yep humans are basically left on their own to try and, and deal with this this monster and they come up with a couple of ideas but eventually yeah, i want to talk a little bit about that because mm-hmm. so in in film time it has literally been like maybe 90 seconds and i wonder if the actual time period has passed because 
they all of a sudden have these diagrams on the biology of Gauss, and they have all this data that they have gathered on this creature seemingly instantaneously. <laughs> yeah, passage which, of time perhaps is not portrayed extremely well here, but it's only... <laughs> I, the, just, I just love that so much. It's only the course of a few days, I think, right? The the story? Yeah, but they have some... In general? They have some really detailed, like... Looks like they have like the dissection of the creature, and I'm like, well, how did you how did you get this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, in in other movies, it's like, well, they kind of based on dinosaur, what you know, theories of dinosaurs, how they were put together, but they they know no, so much about here. <laughs> Gauss. They're like, oh yeah, it's sonic frequencies, or because it's got two different vocal cords, and but because of that, it can't turn its head. It's like, no, it can't turn its head because you made the the suit <laughs> unable to turn <laughs> right. its head which honestly i appreciate that they actually add an in-movie reason why <laughs> the creature can't turn i mean i think that's a really i wish tim burton had done that with batman i was about to say they they do it in the dark night it's like i need to be able to move my head please right <laughs> the suit made it so i got hit in the back of the head a lot so, so yeah that, you, that's that's his weakness that's his weakness <laughs> You made a really interesting note here, and I want you to talk a little bit about this, because one of the cool things about, I mean, honestly, not just monster movies, but genre fiction and speculative mm-hmm. fiction in general. One of the great things that these things do is talk about problems of the time. And yeah. this, you made a really interesting note about the whole landowners and road construction. I want you to talk a little bit about that, because I think that's a really fascinating route. And I'm honestly impressed that even though they were, you know, going a lower budget mm-hmm. and obviously the effects weren't quite as good. And sometimes some of the writing isn't as top notch. They're still doing the same thing that all the good science fiction movies are doing, which is using elements of of the current reality and talking about them. Yeah. And, and we've talked a little bit about a lot of the. The university, oh no, we haven't talked about that. That's the late sixties. The the protests of the nineteen fifties against the the Japanese government, the Sunagawa struggle, the the riots against the the U.S. military bases and and things like that, and that the Japanese government, some of the the largest in Japan's history. This movie has a community, a farming community, kind of protesting the building of this road against some unnamed land corporation. And this is based probably on the very real struggle outside of Tokyo over in the mid sixties construction of the new Tokyo international airport, which now called the Narita airport. And the group that came together to, to start these protests was it's a very long name, kind of a mouthful, uh, Sanri Zuka Shibayama United Opposition League against construction of the Narita Airport or, you know, to- New Tokyo Airport. And well, it's, it's no wonder I haven't heard of them because you need something snappier. <laughs> well, it was it was a lo- long protest. And at the time this movie had come out, it was fairly bloodless mm-hmm. protest. Afterwards, I think that it's it started to get a little more dangerous as some of the, the protests turned to riots and they intensified as the decade continue and yeah it it turned from just the blocking of the assessing of these sites which we kind of see in the movie to when they started bulldozing and things people were getting violent in 
and police action kind of intensified. Well, and it's interesting because in, in this film, like you would expect, I mean, from the stuff that we have seen prior and the stuff that we have seen since you would kind of expect that the, the people protesting the, the highway being made through their, their land would be seen as the more reasonable party. And that's not really present here. Oh no. The farmers in this village are depicted as thugs, greedy and that is kind of like the moral at the end of the story is the, the opposition of this road was for unvirtuous reasons. You know, they're, you're stopping progress. And I was a big part of Japan at the time was holding on to the coattails of their kind of giant post-war expansion. I think at this point is when it, that started dying down a little bit, but yeah, I think we get to see maybe some of the political leanings of either the screenwriter or director here in depicting these villagers as in, in such a negative light, but in the real life, the, the, the protest, the Sen Rizuke Shibayama United Opposition League, they were originally just these farmers that had come together, but they eventually allied themselves with the, the Socialist Democrat parties, communists, sects within the government and things like that. So it became a much more political protest than just for, for labor, or for well, land rights, I should say. And it's important to note, none of that nuance is in this film at all. <laughs> no, no. Well, like I said, at, at that point, it, it, it probably wasn't as as large of a, a story because I, I don't think it had become politicized. But yeah, depicting the, the farmers as as lazy or thugs or whatever is well, like, well, that's that's one way to look at it for sure. And the weird thing is it's a very superficial thing because like they talk about how, oh, we were so greedy and, and all of this stuff. And initially, that wasn't the impression I got, especially mm-hmm. when Gauss first appears, because they're like, oh, this is bad luck that you brought upon us. Yeah, well, then they're, they're always it's, looking it's, for it's their weird. They're always looking for their angle in the film. And like when the monsters are attacking and the corporation is like, well, we're just going to pull out and build somewhere else. They 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 tried Tatsumen, who's the the the. Th- patriarchal figure in Aichi's family who's kind of like the leader of the the opposition because he had been holding out for more money they have dressing as like this little schmo until the very end where he's like dressed to the nines in a suit and like a monocle and stuff so i think that was like part of it is he was trying to dress like he's poor uh, (laughs) towards the end but yeah uh kishijiro ueda as uh tatsumon in the film and yeah part of the the moral at the end is you know you you shouldn't be as greedy i guess in in their their demands it does work out for the farmers because they are able to to build through their valley and they are able to sell their land and and get a payout but i don't i don't know that that did seem a little bit odd a little bit conservative for the 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 time even where we I guess I'm just used to a Shiro Honda and his kind of more liberal leaning plot line. Well, and, and that's the wild thing is, is we say this, but I don't feel like the, the film really goes one way or the other. Like these, these, mm. these characters are depicted as such, but I've also the, the corporation is not depicted great either because they treat yeah. their workers kind of like garbage. And, and cause he even says, I don't care if it's camera. I don't care if it's the workers get it done. Yeah. And it's that- like, in in our our 
our actual hero in the film played by Kojira Honga as Shiro uh, Sutsumi, the construction foreman is kind of the, the neutral party. He doesn't really yes. care about the, 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 the villagers holding out for, for more money. He's just there to get the job done and do whatever it takes. And as such, if, if that involves <laughs> helping warn the government about this monster, whenever it comes out of its cave, he's, he's there to do it with his, his l- Laurel and Hardy, like uh, <laughs> construction worker buddies who I, I didn't write down their names, but I, I did enjoy those two actors who serve as kind of like comic relief. The, the Scooby-Doo gang of the bunch, the shaggy of the bunch. Oh, I mean, yes. And I mean, we th- this isn't the first time we've seen Hanga in a Gamera film. It won't be the last time we see him in a Gamera film. Yep, he's going to um, come back in. I think the the following years versus Virus. So I, I mean, I guess he was just kind of a favorite leading man for for Dai because I mean he's I mean he's the leader. He's the leading well, man we, in. We saw Baragon. him versus versus Baragon. Yep, yep. And then and, he he will be in the next one as well. Does come back for a a very brief cameo in 1995's Gamera Guardian of the Universe, which I thought was pretty cool. Which I I've seen, but I wasn't as steeped in in as much knowledge. I mean, Gamera's always been kind of a like I've seen a couple of films growing up, yeah, and I saw them on MST3K, but it wasn't in really until probably the mid 2000s where I really sat down, like after Gamera the Brave came out, mm-hmm. that I really turned my attention to to the the Terrapin himself um, <laughs> and, and got to see the high same movies, which uh, we'll talk about in a couple of years. And it, th- those are, I mean, spoiler warning, high marks, some of the best kaiju movies ever made. Um, yeah. and, and they're built on the bones of these, these Showa films. Yeah. And so it's why I'm excited about watching these because I feel like the, the, the Gamera Showa films are like, Oh yeah, they're there and they're nice, but they're, they're a lower quality. Which I mean, they they are a, a, a lower budget on a whole, and it, it's honestly the, kind of the story of Gamera. Because by the time we get to Gamera Super Monster, it's yeah. a sad it's a sad state. But I, I think for what they are and for what this movie is, director Noriaka Yuasa really. I mean, it's one of the reasons I love kaiju films is because you can feel that he loves telling these stories and 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 loves his his monster. Oh. Absolutely. So I think less of a budget, but more heart put into it has created. I would say more equally, so than the prior two films. Yeah. An equally entertaining film. Not only does he direct the actors in this movie, but he like in versus Baragon, he also does the special effects for this movie and directs those scenes. Whereas in an Ashiro Honda Toho Godzilla movie, you would have kind of two different units filming those those scenes you know, well, your I, actors versus special effects or tokusatsu i like that you also even it comments on the kind of semi-political aspect because he, he even talks about how the screenplay he says uh the screenplay shows japan as it was during that time when building the infrastructure was so important at mm. the time the thinking was we have to make freeways no matter what nowadays it's ecological issues Gamera must always reflect modern problems in society, which I mean, really, that's I mean, you, you substitute that with, with science fiction. I mean, he's talking about the nature of the genre, but he's also mm-hmm. talking about Gamera because Gamera is it's interesting because Gamera basically takes the baton from 
Godzilla. Because, I mean, as we've talked about with the, the private film, while Godzilla does talk about some issues here and there, it becomes more or less an entertaining franchise. Mm-hmm. And someone needs to consistently talk about what's going on. And I think it's interesting that, at least in Yuasa's mind, that that monster has to be Gamera. Yeah. And like I said, you, you can feel his his love for telling these stories along with our, our screenwriter, Nisan Takahashi. I, I think this movie is hold such a place with fans from from the showa era because i mean it, it all kind of makes sense it is the most by the numbers kind of kaiju story of like oh there's a literally a monster in the way of a a story we've seen a dozen times now which is progress from the city versus like this old farming village in in the hills outside of tokyo you know very much new world meets old world and we have supposedly an old monster versus a brand new monster as well to to explore that and one that takes on heroic elements for for the people there yeah and 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 mentioning that like i mean even though i think it's the same suit that's from the prior film i it seems like there is there were modifications made to make gamera feel a little bit more heroic they they changed out the so this is the same gamera suit for the most part as was used in versus Baragon. I've read here online that they say the the eyes were changed out to make them a little kinder, which it's a pretty mean looking turtle in versus Baragon. And they recycled Not gonna lie, I kind of feel like he looked the same. <laughs> <laughs> they recycled elements of the the original suit from Gamera the Giant Monster for the fire breathing scenes. So just like Godzilla, they would reuse old suits yeah. if they were putting them in underwater or you, you know, literally lighting them on fire. Gauss was an original design by art director Akira Inu, and indeed, pretty pretty cool suit. I, I will say the the fact that it didn't have a lot of <laughs> neck movement was was probably hard for our <laughs> our suit actor, but. You still get a lot of cool action from from this monster. I don't like the the miniature they used for the flying Gauss that much. Mm-hmm. It's some of some of the weaker puppet kind of like models that I've seen. It, it just looks like well, looks like a jet, and for some reason that it it it's so small and it's usually very far in the background of those flying shots. It makes it look very small almost as small as some of the jets that they use in, in those shots as well. So loses some of the, the power. I think when you go that far, far out. Well, I want to, I want to dial back a little bit on something mm-hmm. you talked about uh, when you were talking about how talk about being distrustful of adults. And I think that really comes across in the character of Aichi because you also even said we wanted all the ideas, basically all the good ideas to come from the child. It may be a bit silly, but we didn't want the theories of adults to work in the Gamera universe. And that he he thought the main point of the whole film was that aging Gamera had some sort of bond, which kind of goes to kind of really show that, like, in Yuasa's mind, he always wanted it to be, he always wanted Gamera to be a friend to all children. He didn't even want to include military and scientific characters, but... Mm -hmm they seemed obligatory because of the Godzilla franchise and that he had to do that. But I think it's really interesting that Yuasa 
seems to be making the films that Honda wanted to make because Ashura Honda allegedly loved this movie and sent a very, very congratulatory like New Year's card mm-hmm. to the the Gamma versus Gauss team. And and uh, come on, how how stoked do you think uh, Noriaka Iwasa was after receiving that? Right. After being and, I mean, rebuffed by Dai Studios and not being able to direct the second film, being kind of demoted. But uh, it also kind of informs the way that Honda wanted to go with the Godzilla films in well, the future. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to see a, a much more loving Godzilla after this. And I think part of that is just pressure from Toho as well to make. Oh, a hundred percent because family you know, friends, but you hear this a lot about like, you know, certain big directors talking very, very fondly about certain independent directors is because they have technically have the quote unquote freedom to do whatever they want, even though they often only have limitations, but that they can make the movies that they want to make. And Honda, I, I feel, and I am just positing, I'm not basing this on anything I've seen or read just kind of seeing the way Honda talks about his own films and seeing the films that he sort of congratulates. I feel like this is more the direction that Honda wanted to go into with Godzilla. And we do see that reflected in a couple of future entries. Hmm. Now those tend to be the ones that are the most derided to for fans of the franchise, but it seems to be, from what I have read, the ones that Honda prefers the most. I've held off on on reading past that part in the the amazing biography of Ashira Honda by uh, Godzowitzki and, and Rifle, but I, I, I think I would agree with you. And we get to see Yuasa living out his dream in these next string of of Gamera movies, and they become very popular. They they mm-hmm. develop quite a fandom. Gamera is more and more a a lovable superhero kind of turtle in, in the coming movies but yeah this one this one works this is the first gamma movie where we get the the gamma song or a gamma song in the end credits <laughs> yeah. which is one of my favorite parts of this film and it is a bit of a travesty that that was cut from the english aip dub that made its way to america though i think maybe the sandy frank Dub brings it back because I forget if this one is the first one that Mystery Science Theater lampoons or if it, it's uh, it, well, well, it, it technically is because it was part of the uh, KTMA episodes, mm-hmm. but it pops up in season three. And I can't remember if that's the first one they do canonically after they get a proper show or not. Yeah, I, I don't know if the, the song makes it in there or not, because it's kind of a different song, but it, it's very, very light, very cheery kind of into the, the film. Uh, let's talk about the the legacy of of this movie a little bit. The we, we talked about Gamera Guardian of the Universe, the 1995 reboot. There are a lot of references in that film to this movie, including its literal Japanese title, which is very similar to the this 1967 mm-hmm. <laughs> film. I forgot what year this came out. We've been we've been in 1966 for so long that it's kind of shocking to talk about something else. <laughs> There's a very famous <laughs> bloody scene where Gauss severs its own foot in this movie uh, with its with its sonic attack and uh, eventually regrows that section. That happens as well, I think, as in the 1995 movie. Gamera has like 
a a claw on one of its legs, which it severs to get away. Lots of fun references between the two in the that series. Gauss is kind of like anti Gamera. He's like the monster that spurred on the Atlanteans to to create Gamera. So pr- pretty big legacy for for Gauss. We, like I said, we will see him in other Showa films, if not just in flashback. We'll get Space Gauss in versus Gyron. And yeah, this movie uh, I mentioned the MST3K episode. One of my favorites. They use the Sandy Frank dub <laughs> from 1987, and I think they're they're going through some of those movies this year because they are finally getting to the one camera film that they, they hadn't done in the latest season of MST3K, which I'm super excited to, to talk about when we get to that one. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm very, very <laughs> excited about that as well. Which and, one, I mean, I think that was versus Jiger. Um, yeah. I think they're doing, they're doing two this year, aren't they? That, well, that's the only one that they had not done before. I oh, guess okay. They, okay. I, I don't, maybe they hadn't done super monster the 1980 kind of clip show <laughs> film yeah i it's hard to count that one so yeah that makes sense um, i mean had they had they done versus virus yes yes i uh, love that one <laughs> it's a great one let's th- get to our rating of yeah yeah versus gauss and and talk about our enjoyment our personal enjoyment first so uh, i'm giving this one an eight um, I think it's a, a a very enjoyable flick. I think there's a lot of technological stuff holding it back. I think the script really needed a little bit of work, and I felt like it just it needed more characters. Like Aichi is the only character that seems to exist, and he doesn't even get a lot of screen time sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it's it it's a a weird but really balanced movie. There are some really fun stuff. I also like that in this series. I mean, because I mean, Godzilla doesn't bleed until versus Gigan. So, like, this is uh, this is another movie where we see Gamera bleeding, and mm-hmm. not just Gamera, Gauss. I mean, Gauss has that Pepto blow. Oh yeah, that is <laughs> so good. <laughs> and there's this weird vibe at the very end where it's like, "Good, the monster's dead. Now we can get back to work." And I'm like, "Oh, this is a this is a weird vibe." <laughs> we, we got uh, a lot of. I feel like we got a lot of Baragon blood, but yeah, this is the first one. It becomes a. a a blood fest. Yeah, I mean, and the movie has a weird vibe. It has some weird. I mean, the 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 back screen stuff looks terrible. This Ooh. entire film, the screen work is absolutely awful, and that's where part of the budget really shows. But it's still a super fun monster movie. There's a lot of monster action, and that is something that the Godzilla series is still working on. Whereas we get a lot. We, I mean, we get what three bouts between these two creatures. Yeah, one one's fairly short, but that the the first and last are are something <laughs> something else. Yeah, so I mean, you get a, some some good monster action. These monsters are on screen throughout the film, which again, a lot of times you got to wait 17, 20 minutes before you even get the first glance at something, and then about forty five minutes do you get your actual fight. And here they're they're going at it throughout most of the movie. Mm-hmm. They absolutely understood what kids wanted to see and honestly what people want to see when i see gamma versus gauss what do i want to see gamma fighting gauss and this movie absolutely delivers yes it does not hit a home run in every aspect but it delivers there it's exceptionally entertaining as a kaiju film so while it suffers in a lot of areas 
for pure entertainment purposes, I got to give it some credit. So I'm giving it an eight. Yeah. And I'm raising my score for that because I, I feel similar to what you said before we started recording. This is a very fun 60s kaiju film to just throw on in the background. Mm-hmm. I feel like one of the things uh, Yuasa did, and we'll talk about in the technical aspect a bit, is we have a lot more daytime scenes uh, of of battles. And it was just because, you know, technically they were having difficulty filming some of the night scenes. But I feel like it adds to a lot of the vibrancy, a lot of the color of these movies to have fully lit monster battles. And they do them pretty well. I like the sets that we get. So, yeah, my my personal enjoyment is an 8 out of 10 <laughs> as well. But going on to the technical, you know, getting the budget slashed like it was from the, the versus Baragon. This movie definitely does show that. But I still think they utilize the special effects that they, they have very, very well. A lot of the fights are taking place in these wooded hill areas where the construction project is taking place, but they do have some miniatures that get destroyed in, in pretty interesting ways. We talked about the the helicopter, the the car and things like it like that that get sliced in half. But comparing it to the second film and in particular that first dam scene where Gamera destroys the dam, that is still like one of the best it's fantastic absolutely mm-hmm. of the entire 1960s for all kaiju movies and that's noriaka yuasa with a full budget and we just don't get to see that here which is a shame Mm -hmm. so for that reason some of the other technical problems of this this movie i'm dropping this one down to a six out of ten for the technical i i think yeah he becomes more proficient with a smaller budget in the next couple of movies Uh, because they i mean versus virus we get a completely different feeling we get like more science fiction and that changes the series completely but i'm i'm on the exact same page i gave it a six as well mm-hmm. um i like i said i i think the script was pretty superficial it's i mean you don't really get to know any of the characters aichi is wonderful because the character is enthusiastic about about gamera and the kid just nails it like he is so fun to watch. And I love this kid who is just, I mean, in the first film, you just have a kid that likes turtles. This kid does not care about turtles. He cares about Gamera specifically. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that makes all the difference in the world. And I mean, you just had a great kid. I mean, that that's what it is, is this, this was just a great child character and a great child actor. Everyone else is just kind of there to me. And like I said, the the screen work is pretty awful. The model work is fine, and the suit work for Gamera is great. Gauss needed a little work, mm-hmm. but the movie still functions. And so, yeah, I'm giving it a six, which is one of the lower ones I've given in a while, as certainly to a Japanese production. But it's it it does deserve it. But it's it's not that this movie is bad because of any technical aspects. It's just that's what that's what holds this movie back a little bit for me. Yeah, but going on to my highest score or evocative for this movie, I think it's probably, if not the first, the second most representative of the Showa era Gamera films. And it's why they brought back Gauss and probably why it's in a lot of Gamera fans' favorite movies. It is where we get the formula that will work for the next four or five films. And... Yeah, this is kind of the standard in quality of 
of those movies, these versus movies. And like I said, a lot of people like Gauss a lot. We get to see Gauss come back. So for where this stands in Kaiju history and Gamera history, it's pretty far up there. Uh, so I gave this one for its evocative nature, a nine out of 10. I feel like this is, they probably could have stopped the Gamera series and would still be as impactful trilogy and, and maybe get those Heisei sequels with, with just this movie rounding out the the films i'm very glad they continued on but i can understand why why people look to this one as as their favorite of the showa you know i i gave it an eight for its evocative and cultural nature and i'm I'm deciding if i wanted to be a high eight or if i actually want to give it a nine myself because Mm. i think you're 100 right this does kind of set the stage for the history of the entire franchise gauss has been brought back several times within the franchise Brought back in the High State Aries, brought back in Gamma the Brave. It's been on Mystery Science Theater 2000. This does set the stage for what it means to be a Gamma film. I mean, this, this kind of really establishes him, if not by name, but certainly by action, friend to all children. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise that to a nine. I agree. Oh, my goodness. Well, we talked about beforehand that was going to give us a combined show total of a very close to a 7.5, but a little bit below. But with you changing it, that gives us both a, a high 7, a, a low 8. So that's going to make it an 8 for, for yeah, our podcast I'm, final. Honestly, I'm happy with that. I was I was going in because we had kind of talked briefly about it. And we were figuring was, this was going to be a 7 out of 10. But I think because of what this film means for the franchise, and as a result, Kaiju history as a whole... This is a pretty important one, and yeah, it's a fun film to throw on. And at the end of the day, for a kaiju movie, that's the highest praise you can give. Miles doesn't give out a lot of eights, folks, so we're, I'm taking this one while I can. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's because of that. I think we're going to see more higher scores from here on out. And honestly, during the high say error, you're going to hear a lot of high scores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, this might be. I'm wondering if this is going to be the the height of the Gamera Showa era for us, if not for us both, for for our podcast score. I have yeah, we'll other see. I have other movies in in the series that I like more, but I don't know if we'll get the get as high a final score from us because. Well, I, I, I can tell you that that evocative score is a a big one, yeah. and I, I I will flat out say right now, I don't know, and I could be wrong because I haven't seen a lot of these movies in over a decade. I don't know that there's another Gamera film within the Showa era that can hold that evocative score. It's got it's got a little bit of everything. It's it's as close to, you know, perfect as maybe the first Gamera film. And yeah, it's it. This is probably what cemented it, you know, the same way as we had to give a lot of points to Godzilla or King Kong versus Godzilla, because that brought the G-Man into back into the spotlight make him (laughs) not my favorite (laughs) yeah uh right to our final score is an eight and yeah i'm happy with that that's gonna do it for for this episode where where can folks find us online and yeah so you can find us i mean you can email us at kaiju versus history at gmail.com you can hit us up at on twitter at kaiju versus history or you can check out our website at kaiju versus history.com 
where you can obviously rate, review our show, comment, share with friends, let us know what you think. We haven't gotten a whole lot of email interactions. We would love to know what people think about whether or not you agree with us or whether or not we're bringing up a certain movie that you really care about. Like, just chit-chat. We'll even add a whole other comment or a whole other section to our podcast where we talk about what people have written in and have yeah. a little discussion about that. Love to do it. We're talking do do some special episodes where we talk all kaiju. I understand uh, people might not be going on the same kaiju journey with us watching every single one, but yeah, and I mean, I get that. Like, if you don't want to watch <laughs> next week's movie, that's fine. No, um, watch them all. Spoiler warning: Don't. <laughs> But <laughs> but with, um, if you do want to take a look at and maybe get interested in more kaiju movies, we also this year started a letterboxd, letterboxd.com slash kaiju yeah. versus history, where we're going to start putting up our reviews so you can you can see what our final scores were before you decide if you want to jump into an episode where we talk about the history. But yeah. I, I just I love looking at that collection of of movies on all, all in one place you get to see all the the posts. i mean that and i mean this podcast started with us just wanting to go through every single kaiju movie ever made so and i mean it is a process and we are not even halfway done <laughs> which is great uh because <laughs> we're coming up on our one year anniversary which is shocking because like this started off as an idea that like accidentally became a concept that like all of a sudden, Patrick was like, hey, you're ready to record next week. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, record every single kaiju film ever. Well, you, you, you'll have to cut out of the bag a little bit. But what are we? Yeah, doing yeah. Next All week? right. So so thank you, everyone, for listening. Obviously, thank you, Patrick, for going on this journey with me. And we will catch you next time. when We venture away from the well-known studios of Toho, Dae, and even Toei and get to our first feature from Shochiku Company Limited. And a monster as iconic as it is ridiculous. Um, Tune in next week for History versus the X from Outer Space. (laughs) 